All right. So um, today we're going to be talking about keep digging. Keep digging. All right, and, and the reference is Genesis 26, kind of going to be jumping around all over the place in Genesis 26, but the, the reference verse is verse 18, where it says, he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. So we're going to be talking about Isaac, okay? He's going to be a main character today, and we're going to be talking about his persistence in going through hard stuff, all right? So we're going to be talking about that today. How many guys know the importance of water, right? I mean, it's coming down like in sheets this morning, and um, I'm pretty sure that a lot of volunteers and all of our staff members know the importance of water. (laughs) And if you're new here, we have been watering for the past three or four weeks, these hundred trees or a hundred bushes, it seems like there's 300 bushes, um, but we have to water them every single day. And it takes about an hour and a half to two hours uh, to actually water them. And if we don't water them, uh, they will die. Okay. I do want to say that the trees have, have got, the leaves has gotten brown. And I do want to warn you, like, it's okay. They said that the traumatization of taking uh, a tree in, in one location and transporting it to another location, they're going to lose their leaves. So our watering is not in vain, okay? And we're just going to speak life in Jesus' name. And I'm pretty sure our Monday crew is rejoicing right now because they don't have to water uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about the importance of water. Um, plants, humans, animals cannot survive uh, without water. We as Americans, we tend to take our water supply for granted. Uh, We turn our faucet on, bam, you got water. And not only do you have water, you have cold and you have hot water. And uh, so not only running water, but a choice of either hot water or cold water, you don't have to boil your water uh, to to actually get all the impurities out of it. Sometimes we have like a a water water filtration system uh, in our house that kind of gets all the, all the germs and stuff, all like that. But like if you go to foreign nations, they have to go to a lake, to a body of water, get their water, come back, boil the water. Like we got it made here. We don't really think about water. Um, just yesterday, me and Evelyn went to the pool. We swam in a probably 300 gallon, three, 400 gallon body of water just playing in it. And whenever Avalyn was little, she would just take water and just, you know, we, we play with the water. Um, let's talk about the importance of water in biblical days. It's a, it's a totally different story. So during the biblical days of Abraham, people either lived next to a river or they dug a well. Having a well was a huge, huge deal. Digging a well was more than just providing for your family and livestock. It was stating that you were going to stay there for a long time. You're going to set up camp. And it was essential for cleaning, cooking, and drinking. So we're going to talk about Isaac and how his journey uh, to Gerar was uh, a life lesson. Let's go to Genesis 26 and Gerar. Everybody say Gerar. I went online because I got a southern accent. So my southern accent, Gerar. So I'm not say it properly. It's Gerar. Can y'all say it? That's pretty good. So Gerar, uh, there was a famine in the land. So God told Isaac to move to the land of Gerar and live as a foreigner. Okay. So the Philistines were Israel's fiercest enemy at that time. It's almost like saying us as Americans need to go and transplant our lives and live with Islamic terrorists. Basically, that's what God was saying. 
or like you yourself, God telling you to move in with maybe there's somebody you just really don't like, and it's your arch enemy for as long as you can live. Like God say, hey, I want you to move in with them. So the Philistines dominated this area, uh, and Bimelech was the king of Philistines. We're kind of giving you an overview of what the story is like. So God promised to bless Isaac the entire time he was in the land of Gerar. Uh, Genesis 26, 2 through 3. Let's go there. It says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in the land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. Okay? Let's, let's hold on to that. During Isaac's stay in Girar, things did not go as expected. So how many of you guys have been in a situation um, and maybe this has happened to you lately. When you obey God and you're walking in everything that God has promised for you and you obey and you step out, things don't go like you expected. Maybe you received an unexpected report from the doctor for you or your family member. Uh, a job may have just recently been taken out from underneath you or you were hoping to get the job and it was given to somebody else. Or maybe there's a fork in the road such as like maybe like a hard decision that you have to make uh, and you never thought that you would have to make this decision, whether it be like a, for a parent, for a child. Um, maybe you're dealing with an uncomfortable situation with your child or your teenager or both, okay? Um, or an unexpected issue with a spouse that may be pretty painful for you. So this is exactly what Isaac was dealing with. He's obeying God. He's going into this land, and we're going to talk about the unexpected things that, that popped up. So Isaac was forced to move multiple times by the Philistines because they were jealous of Isaac and his blessings according to Abimelech and the Philistines. So the Philistines couldn't stand any good thing happening to Isaac and his people. They were absolutely jealous of everything that was happening to them. So let's go to Genesis 12, 12 through 18, NLT version. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed, blessed him. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. I just kind of see like the Philistines acting like toddlers. If they don't get what they want, they say, oh, I'm just going to fill your... Your wells with dirt. You know, how many of you guys know kind of people or maybe like kids that don't get what they want? They kind of temper tantrum. Like they, they throw, like if you don't win at, at, at the game of Monopoly, they flip. Yeah, I've, yeah, I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. I know somebody. <laughs> so these were wells that had been dug by the servants of the father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar family, uh, valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names uh, Abraham, have, Abraham had given him. So let's talk about, uh, I, I kind of got the life application study notes on this. His jealousy is a dividing force strong enough to tear apart the mightiest of nations or the closest of friends. It forces you to separate yourself from what you were longing for in the first place. When you find yourself becoming jealous of others, try thanking God for their good fortune. That's kind of hard to do sometimes. 
Maybe because <laughs> you've been praying for something and you're seeing somebody else get what you've been praying for. You know what? Take the time to submit your flesh and say, God, I thank you, Lord, for blessing them. Even though, hey, like, and say, God, work on my heart. Before striking out in anger, consider what you could lose. A friend, a job, maybe opportunity, maybe a spouse. Just think about that. Think about what jealousy can, can do to your life in the, in the end game. So notice that some of these wells, Isaac didn't even have to dig. They were dug for him from his father. It was literally an, an inheritance that God just plopped right in his lap. Isaac got a blessing with very little effort. Uh, I'm just going to go back to high school. I had this guy named Matthew. And uh, I was so, I was kind of jealous of him because I had to study for everything. And for every A or B that I got, I had to study really, really hard. And I'm looking over this guy, and his name's Matt Hodges. And he's over there sleeping in chemistry. And like, and I'm just sitting there like, dude, he's going to fail. And I saw his grades at the end of the year. I'm like, he, he got A plus 100. And I'm just like, and I went to him, I was like, how do you do this? He's like, man, things just kind of come easy to me. So maybe you're in the situation where you've been striving and praying and doing everything that you know to do, and somebody else gets maybe a job opportunity, gets a spouse, gets whatever that you've been praying for, and God just gives it to this person with ease. Does it rub you the wrong way? I mean, honestly, that <laughs> it kind of, I mean, understandably, it can rub a person the wrong way. So let's check ourselves. How many of you have ever experienced being blessed by God, and then all of a sudden, all these best friends or all these people around you all of a sudden started getting angry with you? start dropping off from, from your life um, for no reason. Certain people around you become angry, um, and, and it could be that they're jealous of you because of the blessing or where you're going in God also, okay? It could be that, like, hey, I'm going here. You can come follow me, but, you know, if you're going to get angry and tell me that I'm holier than thou, like, that's on you, okay? And I'm not saying that you need to be spiritually snobby. That's totally different. You don't need to be doing that. You need to be loving people, but you know, if you're on a new platform and new going with God, like, hey, if 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 you lose somebody in in the process, don't be sweating it. Pray for them, okay? Or on the other hand, maybe you've seen so many people getting blessed around you that you've been praying for years and haven't seen anything in your life. You can become jealous of people getting blessed and turn into a Philistine slash Abimelech. Okay? <laughs> let's let's uh, look at I like to look at all sides. Of stories. So let's look at if I was a Philistine. All right, probably historically they were barely scraping by. Um, and these foreigners, such as Isaac and all these shepherds, they're coming in and they're getting all the livestock. Their crops are yielding 100 times more than they planted. And maybe the Philistines planted, maybe they got like one or two. These foreigners that you hate are coming in and yielding 100 crops, getting all the livestock. Okay. And, and they reopen the wells that your previous ancestors covered up. So you're seeing all this stuff happen. Um, I, I see the legitimacy of the frustration of Philistines, okay? Wouldn't you, I mean, honestly, if your arch enemy came in and was conquering the, the land, getting more powerful than you, obviously you would become a little bit concerned. So the Philistines reacted to seeing Isaac being blessed they didn't wage war because Israel actually had a powerful reputation at that time. Nobody wanted to mess with Israel because they knew that something special was with Israel. 
Abimelech just wanted Isaac just to get out. He's like, I, I don't, you're getting too powerful for me. Just get on, go on, I get. That's what I always say. Um, so Isaac did move into the valley of Gerar. He, he didn't move out of land. He actually moved into the valley. He wouldn't bother nobody, mind his own business. And then he dug up the wells that his fathers uh, had, had dug for him. Then the Philistines would come in, bully him and his people out of these wells, and then take them over and claim them as their own. So without a water source for Isaac, it would be impossible for Isaac and his uh, livestock to actually stay there. So I actually had a friend. I'm going to say he's a family member. I don't if he's watching. I'm sorry, man. I love you, dude. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm going to make an example of him. He lo- I love him. So uh, as a kid, uh, my friend would come over, and I'd, have, I'd get a brand new toy. I didn't tell him. But I was like, man, I got a brand new toy. I had this blue car. It was a drag strip racing car. It's huge. had huge tires on it and stuff. And then we were playing with it and everything. And I was like, hey, man, you want to play with it? He's like, yeah, man. He just takes it and goes, we had a coffee table in the middle of it. And he just takes it and goes, wham, wham. I'm like, what are you doing? And to the point, like the whole front end is just like in crumbles. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why are you doing this? And so, you know, it became a trend. Every time he'd come over, hey, man, look at my new toy, man. This is cool. And he'd take it and just ram it into the wall. Like anything that I would get new, he would try to destroy. And I, as a kid, I'm, not, I'm just like, dude. And, and my mom was like, hey, if he comes over, don't, don't bring out anything new. <laughs> like we, we pay for this. Like just get y'all your crappy toys that cannot be broken. And just, you know, don't tell me you got any new toys. And so later on uh, in life, as we grew up to be an adult, he came over and we were talking stuff. And he's like, man, he's like, i just be honest with you. He's like, every time I went over to your house, he's like, I was so jealous of you. He's like, you always got brand new toys. And he says, I actually tried to destroy your toys so that I would feel better about myself. And I was like, oh, really? Really? That's a big surprise to me, you know? <laughs> I was like, I already kind of knew that. But even today, whenever things are going on, Christmas is coming around, everybody's getting presents, uh, he actually still gets irritated when other people are blessed. And he gets this attitude, and he's like, if, if anybody gets more than him, you can tell on his face and his attitude, he'll stomp, and he's, he's older than me. He stomps out of the room, and he, he just gets this attitude. See, that's what jealousy can do. It starts at a, at a young age, and it can kind of grow as, as you get older, whether it be somebody getting spiritually blessed, physically, financially blessed. It, jealousy can come in and just separate friend, lifelong friends and ruin opportunities too. So Isaac reacts to Abimelech and the Philistines. Let's see how Isaac reacts. So we see how like the Philistines react. So Isaac actually just gathered his stuff, moved to another location, and simply dug another well. Philistines would come in after he dug the well, reclaim uh, this well every single time. And this happened not just once, this happened multiple times. So how do you react to this situation? For me, I'd be cracking some heads. I'd be like, I'm just, I like it, you know, that's that's something on my flesh. I need to kind of chill. I I'd get one of, like, two of the Philistines, I'd throw them in the well, and just look at them. I, maybe a couple of days. Hey, you having fun down there? Yeah? Okay. No. Yeah? No. Okay. And then maybe get them out, and I'd send them on their way. They'd be learning a lesson not to mess with Cameron. 
Can I, can, I, can I be open with y'all? Friday, I went to this store. And this is an interesting store. It's a, like a liquidation place where they have just a ton of people. They only let like 10 people at a time. It's off a of Capitol Boulevard. You get like really cool stuff, but for like super discounts. So I'm in there. And it's, I mean, it's just packed. It's, it's like, I can't, I, if I turn around this way, I'm hitting somebody and I have a box in my hand and there's workers in there. They have like vests and stuff. And so, um, he, he's trying to get through and he says, ah, and he's, he's about this, he's a teenager, little punk kid. He's about this. I know I'm getting fleshly. Y'all. I'm just telling you how, Hey, it, it hits everybody. So he's about this tall. He's about probably 16, 17. Um, and he's trying to get through, and I just, I said, man, I can't, I, and I had this lady, poor lady, she's probably this big, she's probably about 70, I would say 70 years old, she's in front of me, and I'm sitting right here, and all of a sudden, he's like, man, I can't get through, and he literally just barrels through all these people, and just, I'm, and I actually land on top of this woman, and she looks, up, she's like, oh. she was totally <laughs> terrified, like, it's an intense situation to hear, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm ticked, y'all. I'm ticked. And I see, I look at, I said, ma'am, I am so sorry. She said, I know, I know that, that teenager did it. I said, I know, I'm so sorry. And I just look at him. I glare at him. And he sees me. And so he had to come back my way to deliver a box. And he's coming, I'm, not, I'm like, I'm looking at the top of his head. And I just said, you do that again. I said, you can find, it's not going to be good for you. And he said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I didn't see. I said, yes, you did. So I'm just saying, like, the fl- and I had to repent. I, Lindy was like, stop, stop, stop. And I'm just like, I could understand if it was an employee. Oh, I, I, I could understand if it was like a customer, but an employee acting like that, I just wanted to smack him. So, and I don't like to be bullied, you know, okay? So I think there's an innate sensation. And Lord, I, had to, I had to repent when I got home. You know, I got in the car, and I was, you know, your adrenaline's going, and like, and he's like, that was not good. And I say, well, he don't want to be doing that. If he's working there, I need to report him, you know, to his boss. But I said, I said, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I could have never ministered your gospel that way, cracking his head open. You know, that's just not, that's not, that's not godly. So I'm looking at Isaac, and he reacts completely different. And so let's go to Genesis 26, 19 through 21. It says, Isaac's servants dug, also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over, over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek. Esek, I don't know how it's, It basically means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it, and, they, and these Philistines got it again. So he named the place Hostility, which is Sitna. So as you see... God, you know, Isaac's obeying exactly what God told him to do, and he's getting into all this hostility, this arguments. These Philistines are taking over these, these wells that they're digging, and he just ain't going nowhere. And it's just like, okay, like, okay. And, and, and to, to, a, to a guy, like, it just seems kind of like weak. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is the chosen one of Israel. Like, th- this is Isaac, okay? So can you relate? Everywhere you go, when you obey God, you get into a conflict, opposition, hostility, hostility, something unexpected. And you're probably thinking, like, God, did, did I really hear from you? Are you really there? Like, am I walking in your perfect will? Um, 
Do you find yourself complaining to God or others when you're in this situation? You will not find this anywhere in scripture, in this particular scripture with Isaac, because he knew that God was with him everywhere he went. Genesis 26, three, it says, and I will be with you and I will bless you. So Isaac had this perspective like, you know what? Hey, I'm facing conflict from these Philistines, but in the end, I know that I'm gonna be blessed. Hey, I'm already seeing God bless me. You know, a hundred times where I planted all these herds, herds of flock, everything, like I'm being blessed. So don't be discouraged whenever you're walking in God's perfect will and you get a little hostility coming your way. You have a little opposition or something unexpectedly comes into your life. Um, He didn't complain to God. He simply relocated and dug another well. So we need to see our circumstances through the filter of God's eyes and know that he is in control and he will take care of us if we're following his will. All right. Isaac could have given up and moved out uh, out of the land of Gerar and found a nice place, nice peaceful place, probably Egypt and stuff where there was no conflict, but he would be totally out of the will of God. Okay. Can you relate? Um, have you been tempted to give up when things got tough? And you were walking in what, what, what you know God had called you to walk in, and you have unexpected things pop up. Naturally, Isaac had options, okay? Naturally, in the natural, like he could have moved to Egypt. He could have moved to this limbo, bamambo land and just been like with his shepherds and then live in total peace. But see, it's spiritually, he had no other option but to obey, all right? If God has told you to take a certain job or do a certain task in God's eyes, there is no other option except obedience, okay? Whether it be sin in your life, whether it be certain things that you've been doing, God's been tagging at you saying, hey, I want you to leave that alone. I want you to just come and follow me. But God, I've held on to this for so long. It's so comfortable for me. God's saying, I want you to let it go. You have no other option spiritually but to obey. Let's go to James 1.22. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. And then the notes on that says, we can measure the effectiveness of our Bible study time by the effect it has on our behavior and our attitudes. So you can know the Bible like, you know, the back of your hand. You can quote scripture till you're, you know, blue in the face. But if you're not following through in obedience, that quiet time with God, that prayer time with God, that worship time with God, it's not bleeding into your life, okay? So we need to humble ourselves and say, okay, God, like what you're trying to say to me, I have to put it and apply it to my life. Even though I'm fa- I know for a fact if I obey you, I'm going to face opposition. I know I'm gonna be facing a hard time, okay? Matthew 7, 24, it says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So let's get to digging, All right, if you don't know what to do, roll up your sleeves and start digging. There's definitely a place for you here to start doing the the, the kingdom of God work, okay? Um, I I encourage you to go through growth track, just what Mira was saying. Join the dream team. I'm telling you, man, there, there are kids in our ministry that need a spiritual mother, that need a spiritual father. There's kids in, in, in Victory Youth that need a spiritual mentor, Okay, because they have mom, they have dad, but they can't really open up to every, like everything that they're dealing with and they need you. And so I encourage you to think about, pray about 
joining our volunteer force because I remember growing up, my Sunday school teacher, Miss uh, Mosley, uh, Mr. Mr. Dove, like I remember all these people made a huge impact on my life and still made a huge impact. And, and it lasted and it's still lasting today. So I'm telling you, like if you join the volunteer, whether it be, whether it be through you know, kids, whether it be running a camera, whatever it is, like get to digging, doing something instead of just staying stationary. Um, whatever God has told you to do, don't quit just because the circumstances are not what you expected. Keep pushing forward. Don't quit digging into God's word and pursuing his presence even when you feel spiritually dry. How many of you, I'm telling you, like every Christian goes through a dry season. If you're in that dry season right now, it's okay. Like that is normal, okay? But don't quit pursuing his presence. Don't quit pursuing his word. Because I'm telling you, there's gonna be that one day where man, that well is gonna be opening up and like, oh, there you are, God. But don't go, that pastor is all about not going by your feelings. So even though you don't feel anything in your quiet time, it does not mean that God is not there. Blessed is the man who basically goes by faith and doesn't go by feeling and, and, and doesn't see Jesus, but is there by faith. I'm telling you, you have a way bigger blessing if you don't go by your feelings. There are certain days I'm in my quiet time, I'm like, God, why? Why am, I don't get. I'm not getting anything. Okay, it doesn't. But see, what God is doing is taking whatever you're you're studying, putting it on a shelf, so that you can. Ah, oh, man, you know what? When you're facing this guy in a shop that want that you want to like put his face in. Oh, that's why I need. I need patience. I need self control. Okay, that's why I need it. So sometimes you're storing up treasure. You're storing up lessons that you're going to need in the future. All right. Um, don't quit pursuing the dreams God has placed in your heart just because there's opposition. Maybe that's, it's a ministry opportunity, whether it, maybe it's a job opportunity. Maybe it's something that's been birthed inside of you that you want to see a, like a business. And you're just like, man, if I know if I do this, this is going to happen. This, hey, just obey God. Okay. It's going to be a journey between you and him. Okay. It's going to be like Isaac. Okay. Um, honestly, if, if, <laughs> Six months into ministry, back in 2009, when I first started in youth ministry, I looked at Lindy, I said, this is not for me. Like, <laughs> I looked at Lindy, I was like, I thought you, being youth pastor was all about just having fun with kids. I get to preach, and this is, that's all I get. And, and I said, I'm, 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 I think I'm going to talk to the pastor. I think I'm going to quit. And she looked at me. <laughs> this is one of my kids right here. Oh, he said, I'm so sorry, Cameron. <laughs> That's my buddy right there. Um, I told Lenny, I said, I, I think I'm just, I'm not fit for this. And she looked at me, she's like, God has called you for this. Don't give up. And I'm telling you, if it wasn't for her, and I know that it was the Holy Spirit speaking through her, I was like, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ. So I'm telling you, if God has called you to do something, he's gonna equip you to do it. He's gonna give you the strength. He's gonna give you the love for people. He's gonna give you the joy and the strength, everything you need. He's gonna give you the finances. He's gonna give you the grace when you mess up. Because you're going to mess up. Let me tell you, in ministry, we mess up. Sometimes we mess up big time. We have to go back and tuck our tails between. I'm so sorry. You know, I, you know we lose our cool. So it doesn't mean that you got to be perfect, but you got to be obedient. Okay? It's a journey, y'all. Okay? Um, move when God tells you to move, but also stay put when God tells you to stay put. If you don't, if you don't have that nudge to keep going, 
just stay right there because you might screw up things, okay? Don't move unless God tells you to move. If you're doing what God has told you to do, you definitely will face hard times. It's inevitable. The perfect will of God isn't always convenient either. It will take you away from certain people in certain times and stuff and family members. Like, I'm telling you, going to Guatemala by myself without Avalyn and Lindy, that was hard for about a week and a half. Like, I don't like being away from my family. But guess what? Sometimes it's going to take you away from your comfort zone. There's a peace that comes with walking where God is ordained that cannot be explained but experienced. Okay? Let me read that one more time. There's a peace that comes with walking where God is ordained that cannot be explained but, out, but only experienced. Okay? This unexplainable peace gives you a chance to grow in your faith. Let's go to James 1, 3 through 4. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And I want to read the the commentary to this. It says, we cannot really know the depth of our character until we see how we react under pressure. I'm going to read that one more time because I was reading that this morning. I was like, man, that's, that's so good. We cannot really know the depth of our character until we react under pressure. We don't see what we're made of until we're squeezed, okay? It's easy to be kind to others when everything is going well, but cannot, but can we still be kind when others are treating us unfairly? God wants to make us mature and complete, not to keep us from all pain. Instead of complaining about our struggles, we should see them as opportunities for growth. Thank God for promising to be with you in rough times. Ask him to help you solve the, your problems or to give you the strength to endure them. Then be patient. Give it over to God. Don't take it back. Give it over to God. God will not leave you alone with your problems. He will stay close and help you grow. Isn't that so good? Oh, man. So let's, let's talk about God's promise to Isaac. I'm almost, yeah, I'm almost done, y'all. Genesis 26, 23 through 25, it says, From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the right of his arrival. I am the God of your father, Abraham. And he said, do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up camp at that place and his servants, and everybody say that, he dug another well. Look at there. (laughs) He didn't quit, all right? So when God has called you to a certain place to settle down, set up camp and start digging. Um, Get involved, start settling in. The Victory Church is your home. Um, Become a part of the dream team. Grab a shovel, start digging with us. Don't hit anybody with it along the way. You'd probably be tempted to do that, all right? But just grab grab a shovel and start digging with us, okay? Work in the ministry, all right? Um, it was very evident that the Philistine and King Abimelech, that everything Isaac put his hands to prospered and flourished. If we claim to be a Christian, people will start watching our lives for evidence of residue of what we claim to be and who we serve. Also, whenever we're faced with opposition, people around us are looking for a reaction. We're always in a fishbowl. If we claim to be a Christian on the job site uh, or in our neighborhood, I'll tell you, my my neighborhood is very anti-God. 
uh, I, I very anti-God. So I am, I am a missionary in my own neighborhood. Uh, I'm just saying, telling you, there's a certain people I, I get contact with. I'm like, bro, you need Jesus, man. But I'm not going to stuff it down their throat. I'm just going to be an example, okay? Um, this, is, this is a pretty cool statement. Your reaction to difficult situations has so much power. The world is looking for a God that is real and a love that is real and a love that is unconditional. I'm going to talk about this guy. His name is Ryan Swigalar. I'm probably totally annihilating that name. It's, I don't know if it's, you can look it up. Um, he's basically, uh, probably about two months ago, if you, have you guys ever heard of him? He was basically the head of the satanic church in Africa. Have you guys heard of him? Um, about two months ago, he basically came out and said, I'm denouncing Satan, and he, he's not my Lord anymore, and he's embracing Jesus. And he is now a full-blown <laughs> Jesus follower. I, I, can, I, can I be honest? Like, he, like, if you follow him, he's a baby Christian. His theology's kind of a little bit off, he's not per- but he's following Jesus. So don't judge everything that he said, because honestly, the church is coming against him, which really angers me. But I want to tell you, like, the reason I'm telling this story is because all of his life, he was brought up in church, um, and there was, uh, he had a bad experience with church, fell away from God, connected with people that just hated, just a cesspool of just hate. And so he related to that because he had so much pain. Uh, he embraced Satanism and started moving up in the levels of the satanic church. And he came across these four Christians, and they were witnessing to him, and he totally, like, annihilated them. He, 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 he was mean to them. He said, I threw everything that I knew at these people to leave me alone, and they wouldn't leave me alone. They kept loving me persistently, unconditionally. And so this one lady, she came and she says, and she was pouring out her love to him, and she says, can I just give you a hug? And he says, well, why you want to give me a hug? She says, I just want to give you a hug. And she embraced him, and when she embraced him, he just fell. He just, his, every, like every orifice of his face was just crying. And just not, he said, I have never been greeted with that kind of love ever. And so he walked away and he remembered that. And so maybe a couple of months later, he was, I guess, going up in the ranks of the satanic church and he was doing this ritual and Jesus appeared to him. I can't remember exactly everything that he said and did, but he said he went over and hugged him. And he said that same hug was felt by this woman. And he said, because of that experience with Jesus, he said, you don't realize that the church is the hands and feet of Jesus and is the love of Jesus. And because of that love, he accepted Christ into his, pers- his life and he's completely changed. Uh, he's still got some learning to do. Um, But that just let me know that the world is looking for unconditional love. And so you have a coworker, you have a family member that's causing you trouble. Pray and ask God to, that his love would infiltrate your mind, your body, that you would have his love and that we see people through the filter of God and not through man. Because we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that rule the present darkness. So we're not battling that brother, that sister, that mama, that daddy, that coworker. We're battling the enemy, and he's wanting to get in between us. And sometimes he uses jealousy, okay? Um, 
They were always watching Isaac and his reaction. So the Philistines didn't want to get their butts handed to them by the Israelites. So they wisely agreed to a peace treaty. If you look into it, they had no idea that Isaac's great, great, great grandson, David, would actually, you know, take out their giant Goliath in the years to come. They knew that there was something special about Isaac and his people. So still digging, even when Isaac and his people entered into that covenant and made peace with the Philistines, if, as you saw, they kept digging. They didn't stop when things were nice. Okay, we got a peace treaty. I'm not dealing with any more Philistines anymore. Life is great. They didn't stop. They kept digging. And so I kind of took that in my own life. Like when things are rough and things are hard, who's our first go-to? The church and Jesus. But whenever things are good and, and there's no conflict, we tend to forget and give up our shovel. And it's like, okay, things are good. I'm just gonna cruise through life. And so I challenge you to not do that, okay? Always pursue God. Always get into God's presence, but also don't quit making a difference into the kingdom, even though you're not facing the hardship, okay? Um, Genesis 26, 32 through 33, it says, that very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named the well Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the town that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means well of oath. So even when you've won the victory or see the light at the end of the tunnel, per se, there's still wells to be uncovered. The work of God, God's kingdom never stops. And it's up to us to keep digging. Amen. All right, I'm gonna leave you with uh, these action points, okay? So number one is that I want you to keep moving forward, even in the place of opposition. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Number two, I want you to keep striving to listen to the voice of God. Isaiah 30, 21 says, your ears, your own ears will hear him right behind you and a voice that says, this is the way you should go, whether to go right or the left. I want you to, you know, take some time out. I would say at the beginning of the day to listen to the Holy Spirit, okay? Take some time because the Word of God says that He's not in the wind. He's not in, he's not in the thunder. He's not in the big and, and, and loud things. He's in the still, small voice. And then whenever we turn on the TV, when we turn on this phone, this devices and stuff, we have a tendency to get distracted really easily and to miss the voice of God. So I challenge you, and I challenge myself in this every single day to get alone with God and say, God, I need to hear from you. And sometimes he'll just make you cry because of his love for you. And he'll just wrap your loving arm, his arms around you and you just a ball of mess. And I love those moments with him. But then also in those moments, he'll speak to you that he wouldn't, whenever you're on Facebook or you're on social, you know, social media and stuff or you know, with all these distractions and stuff. He's in that still small voice. So take some time to listen to the voice of God. And number three, lastly, never stop working where God has called you and planted you. Never stop digging. Proverbs 14, 23, it says, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Psalms 90, verse seven. And may the Lord, our God, show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Ah, oh, man, isn't Jesus amazing? 
Let's, let's just uh, close our eyes. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I just pray for every person in this place. Um, maybe they're dealing with a hard time. Maybe they've obeyed you and they've ran into situations that uh, are way over their heads and they feel overwhelmed, whether it be financially, maybe a, uh, a diagnosis from the doctor, whatever it is, Father, I pray that today, Lord, that they would lay that thing, that item, that whatever they're dealing with at your feet. And Lord, that you would move in them to never stop pursuing after you. And they would know that you are there with them, that you, you will never leave them, never forsake them. And that they are so precious to you. In Jesus' name.